everyone and welcome to the Sanya Parukhi show. Today we have somebody joining us from Canada, Amira El-Gawabi. She's a human rights advocate and founding board member of the Canadian Anti-Hate Network. Amira is also a journalist. She currently works in Canada's labor movement along with the appearances on Canadian and international news network. She is currently a contributing columnist for the Toronto Star. Amira, thank you so much. It is truly wonderful to have you today on the Sanya Parukhi show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Sanya, for having me. So I'm going to start by asking my first question. The last couple of days have been really difficult in Canada. Can you take us through what happened on 5th of June to the Canadian Pakistani Muslim family? Are we seeing an increase in hate crimes against Muslims in Canada? So, you know, there's a lot that you're asking there, Sanya, and it's just been such an overwhelming time for, uh, you know, Canadians by and large, but also specifically Canadian Muslim communities, the Canadian Pakistani communities, certainly. So um, what happened, as many of your viewers will know, is that there was the the sort of intergenerational family, the Afzal family, Yumna, uh, a young 15 year old, Madiha, the mom, her, uh, her husband Salman, uh, the, and uh, his mother Talat, they were out uh, with their little boy Fayez all on an evening walk in London, Ontario, um, on Sunday, last Sunday night. And, um, you know, just like many of us, going for a simple stroll, enjoying the, the beautiful weather, and, um, you know, they were hit by uh, a driver uh, in his truck, you know, hit and they four of them died. The, the, the couple died, the 15 year old daughter and the grandmother. Little Fayez went to the hospital where he is now recovering. And what we found out the next day to everyone's shock was that the police had evidence that this was hate motivated, that there was hate, hate was the motivation here. And so, as you can uh, imagine, it was, it was, it was a, just a huge shock, obviously the initial shock of losing this beautiful family in this way, but to know that it, it was because someone hated Muslims, uh, that this was anti-Muslim hate was uh, also deeply, deeply shocking. Um, and so, since then, you know, the country has been in mourning. Um, Canadian Muslim, Muslim communities have been mourning this loss um, and certainly talking about hate uh, in this country. And I think what's important to, to note for your viewers is, you know, the outpouring of love and solidarity that Canadian Muslim communities have felt from the broader public has been very strong. We have, you know, seen so many messages of, of love, of inclusion, people saying obviously that this does not represent our country nor should it. But that being said, the reality is Islamophobia is certainly a phenomenon in this country that is troubling. We have seen uh, incidents of hate crimes um, happening against various uh, community members. We have seen, for instance, a series of assaults against black Muslim women visibly uh, Muslim uh, in Alberta, one of the provinces here in Canada, we saw the stabbing murder of a volunteer caretaker at a Toronto mosque last fall, um, and the, uh, the accused killer was following uh, neo-Nazi hate groups online. Um, we had, sadly, four years ago, um, a massacre at a Quebec City mosque 
again, where the killer was radicalized online, hated Muslims, fearful of Muslims, I should say, and, and committed that atrocity. So, you know, throughout this period um, and, be, and even before that, those of us working in human rights um, have been noting uh, with great concern uh, this sort of this rise of hate that sadly um, we see. And of course, it's coming from a minority of people targeting our communities, but it only takes that one person to wreak this kind of havoc and destroy an entire family. So we're certainly alongside other targeted communities, including you know, Asian Canadians that have seen a rise in hate during this pandemic where, where hate groups um, and conspiracy theorists are coming together and spreading fear about Asian Canadians. We've seen anti-Semitic hate, you know, hate targeting Jewish Canadians, anti-Black racism and hate against the Black community uh, has also been very troubling. So there is, generally speaking, um, this rise of hate groups, white supremacist groups that are against uh, immigration, that are against diversity and in, in, in seeing communities of color. And they have been really organizing and pushing their narratives online. And uh, while we don't know exactly what evidence the police has in this latest tragedy, we know that it was motivated by hate. And we know that there is a climate that some people are able to find in which these types of dehumanization uh, is occurring. Uh, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau recently said this hate is insidious and despicable, and that he would continue to use every tool to combat Islamophobia. What can be done to combat it? Is it too little too late right now? It's not ever too little too late. Um, you know, certainly, you know, we, we have to keep working. We have to keep advocating for inclusive communities in which every single person is able to fully participate in society to address the bias and barriers they may face. Um, and so it's important to hear from our political leaders, their condemnation of Islamophobia specifically, but of course, all other forms of hate as well. We need to hear that. But words are, of course, not ever enough. We also need to see action. We have seen some good steps being taken by uh, different levels of government, including the federal government. We have seen you know, anti-racism um, funding going into communities for programming. Uh, that's been helpful. We have seen an anti-racism directorate, so a special office within the government that looks at um, government policies to address racism. That's all positive, but we certainly need to see more. Um, it has been challenging even to get the acknowledgement of the term Islamophobia, because sadly, for many years, it was politicized in and of itself. And so we, we managed to finally um, get the government to acknowledge January 29th, the day of that massacre I mentioned four years ago, as a national day of remembrance of the Quebec mosque attack and action on Islamophobia. That was good. So we're taking all these incremental steps. That's important. Um, and most recently, what we have been waiting for is online hate legislation. So calling on the federal government to act uh, to hold the social media platforms. And then of course, people who are spreading hate accountable for that hate. And we are told that it should still be coming soon. Um, and that would be a very important step potential to rein in um, these dangerous spaces in which um, people are being radicalized and turning against their fellow citizens. Yeah. So 
while the prime minister is going ahead and as you said it's very important for the leadership to condemn any hate crime or islamophobia in the country however built anyone puts together a different narrative where the Quebec government restricts religious representation in the public service which in turn is affecting hijab or niqab wearing muslim women a lot what are your views on that what are the changes that need to take place towards bill 21 right so so for your viewers um bill 21 is a law that's been brought into one of the provinces in our country it is um a majority french speaking province quebec and um it is a, you know it's the 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 society you know is seen as a distinct society because um because of the french canadian culture and they have there's sort of a different type of view for instance around issues of secularism and so based on some of these different views the issue of religion has been very contentious in that province for a long time in fact the province went through what's been called a quiet revolution in the 60s in which the population rejected the catholic church which had really um, played a very overbearing role in the lives of quebecers and so kind of left a bad taste in the mouths of quebecers around religion writ large that trauma and experience that some quebecers have have gone through has sadly led uh, it seems to observers at least to this reluctance to be accepting of religious diversity and so we've seen constant debates around the right to wear religious clothing uh, in the public uh, service for instance as teachers or police officers or lawyers or judges and most recently there has been now law um brought into effect in which people who um are wearing these religious clothing not just hijab but if you're a, a a sick man and you have a turban or if you are a jewish man and you have a kippa that you would not be able to hold those positions of authority because of that uh that visible religious um clothing and what many of us say about this many advocates civil liberties organizations that are both religious and non denominational all of all of uh, civil society has been saying generally that this is a discriminatory law because it basically says that everybody is free to practice their religion as they wish uh, which is something protected by our charter of rights and freedoms everyone has those rights except if you are a religious minority who chooses to wear your religious clothing so it essentially creates second class citizenship and the reason why it's been talked about a lot lately is because while we've heard the condemnation against islamophobia for instance uh, by the federal leaders they are tiptoeing around this issue of bill 21 and not fully calling it out for what it is or trying to intervene or trying to get it to be you know to 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 really get it off the books and that is because of certain political uh reasons of not wanting to lose voters in that province who by and large support this bill and you know my personal argument is we really needed to do more to educate quebecers about the impact of this bill um and and why it is important to allow people of all religious backgrounds and to be able to fully participate in society and not to hold them back with such with such uh, discriminatory legislation yeah 
Do you think this is enabling more anti-hatred towards certain people, people of color, people like you said, those who wear religious gears, headgears, or are visibly religious? Do you think the impact of this Bill 21 is what is creating what we are seeing, unfortunately, happening in Canada right now? So it's, it is important to say, you know, there's no direct link per se that would link, you know, Bill 21 in Quebec with this young 20-year-old man in London, Ontario, that made the decision to drive into this family and kill them. I mean, there's no direct link. But what we can say is that hate is on a continuum. So there is a continuum of hate. The very extreme end of that is violence and murder and genocide even that's the extreme end of hate that's sort of the natural conclusion if you allow hate to fester in a society and people to be divided but at the at sort of the at the, at the, at the beginning or the middle of that continuum you will have biased state policies you will have discrimination in our workplaces you will have stereotypes you know, uh, narratives that are that are othering uh, within our public discourse. You know, there's there's other ways in which Islamophobia or anti-black racism or anti-Semitism, anti-Asian racism, anti-indigenous, you know, the list is long, but there's different ways that that manifests in society. So when you start to say that certain people don't have the same rights as other people to participate in society that is on that continuum of hate to be honest because it essentially is dehumanizing delegitimizing those citizens from the from the society and secularism was should never have been about the state legislating what people can or cannot wear secularism is about supposed to be the state itself is neutral in its laws in it, the way that it applies, um, you know, services to its population, but that people would be free in a democracy to express their religious um, expression as they want or don't want. That's their their freedom. That's what a democracy is all about. And so, when we say that Bill Twenty One is harmful, it is because it it really you know turns that on its head. And it really creates the idea that there's something wrong with someone who wears a hijab or a kippah or a turban. There's something wrong with them, that they are not fit to hold those positions of authority. And that's deeply problematic. And it sends a very negative signal. Yeah. What about the role of social media and other online platforms? Have they also become a problem in the country? Can you talk a little about that? Yeah, so right around the world, we know that online hate is a problem. You know, we've seen it in different parts of the world actually fueling hatred, even genocide in some parts of the world. And so when hate is spread online, what is the role of the social media platforms? Do they have a responsibility or not? And of course, we would argue that they do have a responsibility to remove hate right away. And to and, and we have a responsibility to hold those people who are pushing that hate accountable through the justice system or through fines or some way of helping to stop that from, from being um, disseminated. And so Online hate in Canada, there's a bit of a wild west here where we're not really regulating the social media platforms, we're not really holding them accountable, and that hate is not only, you know, impacting people's attitudes about, you know, other communities they don't know anything about, probably, um, but it's also meaning that many racialized communities, people of color, 
you know, are not comfortable on these social media platforms and they're leaving them themselves. And that's limiting their ability to freely express themselves and participate in the online space. So certainly it is a problem. It is a problem the federal government has promised it would address, but we're still waiting on that legislation. And um, every day that we wait is one extra day that hate is, uh, has a bit of a free pass. My last question, just yesterday, the Canadian lawmakers passed a motion to convey an emergency summit on Islamophobia. Can you tell us a little about that? And do you think this summit is going to help improve the situation? Do you think the wake-up call has been given to the government and now we're going to see some action? And like you said, more action and less words right now. It was very important to see the federal government commit to a, a national emergency summit on Islamophobia. And I would argue that, you know, it really needs to even be broadened to look at hate targeting, you know, many, many minority communities right now. And certainly they are actually going to also hold a summit on anti-Semitism. The important thing to remember is, is that the hate that we are seeing, at, you know, sort of targeting Canadian Muslims is all the same type of hate that targets other diverse minority communities. And it's all the same poison. The antidote in the same way is going to help everyone. So when we start to think about how are we supporting Canadian Muslims, how are we addressing and confronting hate for Canadian Muslims, the same way that we can address that hate will help other communities. And when we broaden the lens to look at how other communities are experiencing hate as well, then we can come up with multiple types of solutions and, and ways in which to address that hate. Um, even though the way that policies and people experience these, um, these types of discrimination will be different according to different communities as well within you know, different spaces, institutions. As I said, when we bring together everyone around the table and explore these different types of hatred that people are experiencing, as I said, we will realize it's all part of the same type of poison and that the antidote here will help you know, the symptom over here as well. So it's all, it's a collective effort that, um, that I hope that Canada is ready for right now. All right. On that note, thank you, Amira. It was truly wonderful to have you on the Sanya Faruqi show. And I'm, you know, full you. solidarity from here in New Delhi, India, to thank the you. Canadians. And it's really inspiring to see the kind of support and solidarity and everybody coming out. Like our social media here is filled with that. And that's why I just thought it would be really important to tell the story and let our viewers know what's going on in Canada as well. So thank you so much for taking your time out and speaking to us today. Thank you so much, Senia, for your time as well. Really, it really means a lot to have um, you know viewers learn about this even as far away as New Delhi. For all those of you who've joined us, thank you so much for watching. I hope that you will subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Spotify. And do sign up for the newsletter to get all the updates on the Sanya Faruqi show. I'm going to see you again next week.